Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Welcome to Community IT's November uh, webinar series. This month, we will be talking about how to protect your digital identity. Uh, thanks for your patience. And as we uh, had some issues with the uh, getting good webinar started, but uh, we'll go ahead and continue on with the content today. Community IT is a 100% employee-owned business that has a that focuses on advancing Nonprofit's mission through the effective use of technology. We've been recognized by the Channel Futures MSP 501 as one of the top MSPs in the United States, and we are the only MSP focused on nonprofit technology based in DC that is on the list. My name is Matthew Eshelman, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Community IT, um, and I will be leading today's session. Uh, if you have any questions, you can use the uh, chat feature. Uh, I'll be monitoring that, uh, and we'll be having some surveys uh, along the way. So uh, this is a shorter version uh, of our usual hour format. Um, wanted to have a concise topic today, so please uh, feel free to chat in some questions as they go along. Uh, thanks for those that submitted questions in advance. Uh, I believe we'll either cover them during today's webinar uh, or I'll reference um, some of the previous webinars that we have done at Community IT. So in today's agenda, uh, we'll just cover a little bit uh, of the cybersecurity landscape, uh, particularly focusing on digital uh, identity. Uh, we'll focus on some steps that you can take, and then we'll talk spe specifically about dark web monitoring. Uh, this month's focus will be on protecting your digital identity, uh, and so we're going to be talking about the tools and techniques that are available to um, to take that. Um, as with all of our webinars, this session will be recorded uh, and put on our YouTube channel, and the slides will be uh, available on our slide deck and made available to those uh, who have registered as well. Uh, I do encourage you to stick around. Uh, there will be a special offer for those that are in attendance and have um, a request here at the end. So we'll just start off a little bit with the uh, some overview about the cybersecurity landscape. Um, this is a great resource that I encourage you to check out. So this is Microsoft's nonprofit guidelines for cybersecurity and privacy. Um, this was put out by Microsoft Philanthropies a little bit earlier in the year. Um, you know they're making some investments and inroads into providing some nonprofit specific resources around cybersecurity. Um, since a lot of the resources that are out there tend to be geared towards big enterprise or business or government, uh, it's nice to have some resources that are focused in the nonprofit sector. Um, one of the things that they've found through the report here is that their studies demonstrate that nonprofits generally lag for-profit organizations in adopting policies, practices, and tools needed to secure their environments. And I would say that that's something that we see at Community IT um, uh, in supporting about 125 organizations in that uh, nonprofits have done a great job on cloud adoption and uh, but have been less successful in adopting uh, kind of tools and processes um, and compliance. So specifically, uh, they found in their research that 60% of um, organizations don't know uh, how their organization handles cybersecurity risk, equipment usage, and data privacy. Um, 
74% uh, reported that they did not use multi-factor authentication uh, to access agency um, emails uh, and other business accounts. So again, um, you know, some of the, you know, some of the foundational pieces in terms of policy and MFA uh, are really limited here uh, in nonprofit organizations. So let's get off and uh, do a little poll here, see how the audience is doing today. So um, just go ahead and chat in if you have uh, implemented MFA at your organization, uh, either no, uh, yes for some applications or yes for all applications. So just take a minute, another few seconds here uh, as folks are chatting in their um, responses. So uh, looks like overall, um, you know, the audience here, you guys are uh, better better than average. So here we've got almost the the opposite. Uh, about 20 couple percent have not implemented MFA at all, uh, and then the remainder have done it either for some or for all. So that's great, uh, and that's a really important step to take for uh, securing the digital identities at your organization. Um, you know, other findings from from that uh, from that report. You know, almost 50 percent you know are using wireless or webcams that that maybe aren't secured. Uh, most people can access their organization email using personal devices, and uh, and then about 60% of uh, folks were uh, unaware of policies that uh, defined how they were collecting data, uh, you know, about you know, either staff or beneficiaries or donors, you know, among the data that the organization collects. So again, um, you know, kind of falling behind where um, you know where the where kind of base, baselines are for collecting and storing data, securing the information um, that's available. And what we know is from the human factor is that um, in the absence of good policies, people just kind of you know do do whatever. They take the path of least resistance. And so um, specifically as it refers to digital identities. Uh, you know, there's research out there that says about 76% of people use the same password, uh, if not the same root, for most, if not all, websites. So that means, uh, you know, the uh, password they use for their Uber account or their Adobe account uh, or their, you know, network login account is going to be the same password that then they're using to access, you know, all kinds of other uh, cloud services. And that's particularly um damaging um, given the amount and then kind of the sheer volume and velocity that we've seen in terms of data breaches. So, uh, you know, if an account is compromised in one system, then that password is then used to try to access, you know, many other, uh, many other systems. At Community IT, you know, we think about cybersecurity readiness through that lens of the familiar lens of people, process, and technology solutions, you know, with passwords and MFA being people-centric solutions, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, we have other uh, webinars that we have done that talked about policy and security awareness training, uh, and also some technology tools as well. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, our webinar from last month was on 10 free tools uh, and three things that are worth paying for, for cybersecurity. So for those of you that are looking to get started or looking for some resources uh, to deal with, um, you know, kind of free tools for training, there are some good good things that are out there uh, you know, in that area. So you can go to our website and check out our resources there. So with all the information out there um, about uh, 
kind of digital identity, the fact that um, people are reusing passwords, you know, most organizations are not implementing or have not implemented MFA for all systems, you know, what can we do to protect that? Uh, you know, and I think, you know, basically there are three things. In terms of understanding your exposure, understanding how uh, staff at your organization are using their digital identity, and I would say that's rooted, uh, you know, either in your, your Office 365 account or your G Suite account, that's kind of the primary organizational ID. Um, I think there's certainly a staff educational component, um, and that education can be done through, uh, again, rooted in policy that just talks about how uh, organizational IT assets are to be used. Uh, and then finally, like have a plan. Um, so what happens if there are uh, data breaches or data compromises? Uh, how's the organization uh, going to react? So fundamentally, we're talking about how we can protect uh, an organization's digital identity. And for um, for many folks, and I would say community IT included, uh, I've been a big fan of the resource Have I Been Pwned. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, I'll go ahead and chat out the link. It's just uh, haveibeenpwned.com. Um, and um, if you put in your email address there, uh, it will generate a report that lists all of the uh, data breaches that have been involved with uh, with your uh, with your password in it, and so again, that's always a good exercise uh, to kind of figure out you know how many uh, how many places you have uh, your account has been pwned. It's a it's a free resource uh, that uh, a guy Troy Hunt um, maintains. It's a great resource, um, and it's good you know to kind of build that educational piece you know to just to kind of see just the sheer amount of data that's out there you know kind of about about you, your digital assets, your um, your domain, and in terms of that, you know, reach, uh, you know, breaches this week, you know, Disney Plus launched, and you know, already there's accounts available for Disney Plus that are available on the dark web. So you could decide to pay, you know, the twelve ninety nine a month or however much it is for the subscription, or you could go on the dark web and buy an account for three dollars uh, and come out ahead. Um, also, there were about um, maybe about 2.2 million accounts from uh, GitHub. That's a crypto uh, currency um, platform uh, that were released along with about 800,000 from a group called EpicBot. I think they do some kind of, you know, online um, marketplace type stuff. So again, you know, every week is just kind of the steady drone of uh, what accounts are, you know, or what organizations have been compromised, which passwords have been released, how many are already in the database um, out there. Uh, and we certainly see it on the IT side, just the amount of, um, brute force login attacks that are targeted against the G Suite accounts, the Office 365 accounts that um, that staff have. So, with all this, you know, kind of uh, information floating out there, uh, you know, finding ways to identify and protect and defend against these attacks, you know, becomes even more uh, complicated. So, one of the things that we've started um, to do is to add uh, in a service called uh, Dark Web ID. Um, you know, this is uh, a, a threat monitoring tool that monitors um, exposing compromised uh, credentials that are on the dark web. So certainly some of that stuff is available through that free Have I Been Pwned um, site. Um, but uh, this is a tool that we've started using that can uh, do some scanning and provide information not only on 
you know, which accounts have been compromised, um, but also the passwords that are associated with those accounts in some cases, and if there's any PII associated uh, with an account. So it's been a you know helpful resource to kind of dive in and provide some um, insight and analytics in terms of you know what's going on in an organization, which user accounts are uh, are already out there, uh, and what changes you know may we need to, may need to make as a result of knowing what public disclosure is out there. So again, the, you know they spend all of their time uh, kind of coming through these various dark web resources to kind of build up the database uh, of known compromises and then provide that as a reporting resource as well. The other thing that's been helpful um, is that you can uh, monitor corporate information and then you can also monitor after approval. Uh, you can monitor personal email addresses as well. So for example, at Community IT, you know, monitoring our corporate email, um, but then also monitoring um, the you know personal emails associated with staff in the organization. So I have my personal Gmail account monitored so that I can get alerted if that information is out there, um, you know, in a, in a way that I wasn't aware of before. So let's take a look at what the actual report is, because um, I think this is really helpful to to see. So what I'm going to show you is actually uh, a report that I pulled today. Uh, and this is for a domain that uh, we used to use, so CITIDC.com. Um, and so uh, it's not something we are actively using uh, anymore at Community IT, um, but it's something that you know, obviously has uh, a lot of information uh, on it, and we'll take a look and see what's available uh, on the dark web for that account. Um, so we can see we've got about 88 exposed credentials um, that are already exposed, and so that information is just kind of is out there and available. Um, so if you're you're a bad guy, uh, you've got a, a big data set to to work with already, um, and so uh, that information is you know, is out there and is probably part of, um, you know, some kind of resale databases that are uh, on the dark web in terms of, you know, trying to do some penetration testing and, uh, and, and hacking on known username and password combinations. So whenever we take a look at it, we can see that these are the most recent 88 compromises. There's a couple pages beyond this, but I'm just gonna highlight here. Um, so on the page, you can see the date found. So even though, uh, you know, we haven't used this, this isn't a primary domain for us. Uh, you know, as systems are compromised, uh, new data is being incorporated and added to the database. So again, we can see, uh, you know, just last month, we've got uh, a couple of accounts um, that were associated with the share this um, data breach um, and uh, not available in this report, um, but kind of the full kind of the full version will show you the specific PII hit. Uh, often those are dates of birth, could be addresses, um, you know, full names, that kind of thing. Uh, in some cases, there are social security number, social security numbers, or driver's license that are associated with the PII data as well. Um, I've masked the emails, but the passwords are also uh, to some extent masked, although. Uh, you could perhaps guess uh, what this password might be. Uh, uh, you know, anything that starts with C-O-M-M -M for a company community IT, uh, that might be an example where we need to do some education and training around how to create good and strong passwords. Uh, and so unfortunately, this is a pretty uh, visible and um, immediate reminder that um, how you the way you choose a password is important. And uh, so you know, using common words or things associated with your uh, domain name may not be the most 
uh, effective. So um, again, you can see from um, from this report uh, the we're going to see the the name of the breach, the email address that's associated with it. If there is a password hit, um, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, the password might be in plain text like this one. Um, in other cases, it may be in such a way that it appears that it it may be um, encrypted. And so, you know, that's good. Uh, not every password breach is going to result in, you know, kind of the public disclosure of an unencrypted um, account. Um, sometimes, you know, there are, are breaches, but the, the password um, passwords have been encrypted. And so that's, you know, great. And that gives you a little bit more information um, to go on. Uh, it'll also give you some information about the source of this. You know, all these are just kind of ID theft forums. Um, you know, there's, you know, uh, there could be uh, the disclosure type, you know, whether it was a known data breach, whether it's not disclosed, like they just kind of stumbled across this. Uh, and then there's the origin. So again, it could, you know, you can see in this case, uh, these are from share this. Uh, down here, this batch um, was not disclosed. Here's the discuss and bit.ly. So you can go through and uh, you'll get information about the the uh, data breaches that they were associated with. You know, if we roll going, if we would continue in this, um, Vein, you know, we'd see, you know, LinkedIn is a is a big source uh, of a lot of uh, accounts that are compromised, and then the passwords are in plain text as well. So uh, this report, I think, is really helpful to providing some education and information, and can be used as a as a teaching tool uh, to coordinate and work with staff, just in terms of having good um, hygiene around their IT practices. So what are those specific things that are um, that it's worth doing? So I, you know, have taken this and used this as an opportunity, uh, you know, to have a teaching moment. Uh, it's, it's a good, you know, to have separate business um, and personal accounts. So, you know, obviously if you're signing up for online services for work, it's appropriate to use your work account. Um, but, you know, maybe if you're signing up for a fitness app tracker or something else, maybe that's something that would be good uh, to use a personal account for so that if there is a compromise, uh, it doesn't connect back. Um, I think it's also a highlight to use strong and, more importantly, strong and unique passwords for each account. Uh, I saw in a lot of the comments, folks were asking about the use of password managers. I think they are great, and I strongly encourage the use of password managers um, so that you can generate a strong uh, and unknowable password or unrememberable password for each site, and then just you know, focus on uh, having a strong password that you can remember to get into your password manager, protect that with multi-factor authentication, uh, and then allow the system to copy and paste into each application that you're using. So again, uh, using a strong, unique password for each account. Um, even better if you can implement single sign-on for, um, for business accounts in particular. Uh, so you can go from having one system copy and pasting passwords into a field to using uh, a single sign-on directory. So technically it's a little bit different. Um, the end user effect may be the same, but uh, now instead of having uh, 10 or 15 different passwords to store in a database, um, the single sign-on solution will uh, essentially authenticate you against that single directory. Uh, and allow you access to an application that you're approved for. So if, if you're managing the IT at an organization, uh, it makes onboarding and offboarding a lot easier because you can um, just 
disable an account in one place and it disables their access to all the associated applications um, as opposed to needing to remember to go in and kind of turn off access to uh, that account in all the various systems that they have. Um, protecting accounts with MFA, you know, this is my um, you know, mantra that I've been repeating over the past couple of years and we're thinking about some creative ways to uh, yeah, put some visualization around this uh, for next year. You know, we're certainly making progress and getting organizations to uh, adopt MFA. Uh, but again, MFA is is a key way to to protect that. So even if you do have um, a password that you're actively using that that shows up in this list, so you know, even if you are using, uh, you know, this password, I don't know, PAC, that's Peach. Uh, if you have multi-factor uh, on that account. Um, you know, you get an extra layer of protection, so the bad guy will need not only your username and password, but then also the device that you have. So, um, and then finally, uh, you know, I think with some of the advent of these new tools like this dark web monitor, um, it's been a great additional resource to just provide some additional insight and reporting and alerting uh, for whenever a new account compromise is um, is identified. So with that, I do um, I think it's a great tool. I'm excited about using it. And so uh, if you email cybersecurity at community IT uh, with the subject of the dark web scan, um, I will reply to you with um, a PDF report for your organization uh, email. So you will get um, the report. Uh, it'll include all the masked um, password information. Um, so you can just do some education about the exposure that you have at your organization. Um, Again, it's a it's a great um, resource because it'll pull all the information uh, um, for all the emails that are associated with with your domain. Um, so uh, the the free scan uh, you know will include all of that information. So again, um, go ahead, uh, send me an email. Uh, you can email it to cybersecurity at communityit with the subject of uh, dark web scan, and uh, I'll reply with a complimentary point in time scan for. Um, yeah, for you to review. So uh, I have a limited number that I can do, so go ahead and get that in. Um, and I'm happy to take any additional questions um, as they uh, as they come up here. I know we're about at time. <clears throat> so uh, again, just to maybe confirm some of the uh, acronyms I was using. So MFA stands for multi-factor authentication. That means that in addition to having your password, which is something you know, in order to complete a multi-factor authentication request, you also there's there's a physical aspect to it as well. So something you have. Um, so I've been noticing MFA being implemented a lot more with you know various web services. So you know when I log into my bank, um, it wants to text me a code. So I have to use my password, which is something I know, and then it texts me a code to my phone, which is something I have. So that kind of counts as the second factor. Um, and um, so then there's another uh, a question here about, you know, just kind of strong passwords. What does that mean, uh, you know, based on, you know, passwords versus passphrases? Um, yes, I mean, I think those are, those are uh, I think, good things to talk through. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion around, uh, you know, in this area. And I would say, uh, you know, you should have something that's at least 12 characters 
longer is better whenever choosing passwords or passphrases or whatever. Uh, I mean, honestly, since I've been using um, a password generator, I don't think about it too much anymore. I just you know use use it to you know kind of whatever the maximum the the site will allow and just copy and paste and, and forget about it. Uh, I think the most important thing is, is actually the multi-factor because as we've seen, data breaches are going to happen. They're going to happen with some regularity. And uh, it doesn't matter how long your password is. If somebody steals it, you know, they're, they're just going to copy and paste it. And so that's why, you know, multi-factor becomes the real um, security tool where you can require that second factor. Uh, you know, I think we're going to get into more like device trust. So, um, you know, allowing only approved devices to access certain applications or certain systems. So passwords are good. Longer is better. Use a password generator. Use multi-factor. And that's, I think, the the real benefit. And, you know, if it's 12 characters versus 16 characters versus 24 versus, you know, 50, I, I, I and what I see um that doesn't make that much of a difference. Uh, I think there are some brute force attacks that are going on, but I think in most cases, um, passwords are being kind of stolen or swindled out of people as opposed to uh, a machine kind of sitting there and doing brute force uh, attacks against uh, against a system. So I think those are good questions, um, but I would really highlight um, the need for, you know, unique passwords or you know, passphrases for each system, just use a password manager. You don't really have to worry about it. Uh, and then making sure that MFA um, is enabled. All right, well, I'm getting some feedback that uh, the audio is not working. So let me just chat in here. Um, and uh, I will go ahead and just wrap up here. I know we're we started late, uh, we're going to wrap up a few minutes late. Uh, we are taking some time off in December. Uh, and so we will be coming back in uh, January, where uh, I'll be joined by my colleagues, our CEO, Johan Hamstrom, uh, our Chief Operating Officer, Johanny Tariko, and uh, our Director um, of Infrastructure Consulting, Steve Longenecker. And we'll be talking about uh, our uh, nonprofit technology trends for uh, 2020. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be a good discussion. Uh, so we'll talk about some of the things that we're seeing at Community IT um, in the space and for uh, you know for the um, sector. So uh, thanks everybody for your time and the flexibility. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions, uh, comments, or feedback, um, please feel free to put them in uh, the survey that'll follow the webinar. As I mentioned, you also get. Uh, a copy of this as a uh, recording and the slides as well. So um, thank you for your time and your uh, feedback, and I'll look forward to talking with you in January. Have a great day. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.